like this is a good time to read this. <laughs> yeah, so you'll hear what it is. Dear Haley Hazelwood, we have reviewed your application for financial assistance related to future balances or balances currently owed to Wake Forest Baptist Health. We are pleased to inform you that based on the financial information that was provided in your application, you have been approved for 100% financial assistance on all medically necessary services provided at our facilities effective 4-7-2018 through 11-07-2018. That is previous and future surgeries. So last week I had a total eyelid reconstructive surgery. So they, I had like what's called entropion. So my eyelid was scarring and it was going in and my eyelashes were scraping my cornea. So it would have, you know, even when my cornea heals, it would have caused future damage to my cornea over time. So I had a total surgery and even if they have to do future surgeries, it's covered. It's covered. So I just speak into the atmosphere right now, breakthrough in the name of Jesus. I speak breakthrough in the name of Jesus. And you know what? The enemy doesn't want you to rise up while you're afflicted. But I tell you in the name of Jesus, you can rise up while you're afflicted. And you can say, you owe me. Satan, you owe me. And you've got to pay me back for everything that you've tried to steal from me. The body of Christ is being attacked right now, but there is a body that's being formed in the bosom of the night, and we are an apostolic people that are arising. We are arising, so do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. Don't let your faith fail. Jesus is making intercession for you that your faith would not fail you. And I'm telling you right now, I may not be able to see out of my left eye right now, but it's feeling a lot better, and I'm going to see in the name of Jesus. And I declare over the body of Christ, we are going to see. I bind blindness off of the body of Christ in the name of Jesus. And Father, I you that you're making the church of America aware like the church that's in the world that though we are afflicted though you slay us we will trust you Lord many are the afflictions of the righteous but God will deliver us from them all from them all so I speak over your finances breakthrough I speak over your health breakthrough and I bind witchcraft in this region we will not be afraid we will not be afraid do you hear me stop cowering stop putting your head down don't be afraid it doesn't matter if a firework flies out of hell you lift your head up and you serve the Lord you say as for me and my house we will serve the Lord you put your faith and your trust in the Lord come on we can speak about revival all day long but is it in is it in us? Is it in us? When you get hit, when your children get hit, is it in you? Do they see that their daddy and their mama 
one is still going to trust the Lord when your finances aren't all together? Do they see when your eyesight leaves you that you still trust the Lord and you stand on the word of God in your marriage? You stand on the word of God for your families. Come on, this is the hour of courage. This isn't the hour to back down. This isn't the hour to give up. Come on, if you have bitterness in your heart for that person, you forgive them. You go to their door and you knock on their door and you ask them to forgive you. Come on, now is the time to rise up in boldness, to have the courage, to have the character of the Lord, to let that fullness be worked in you. So let's praise, let's continue to praise and worship this morning because this is not the end. This is just the beginning of a beautiful love story that we have with Jesus Christ. You are my 
It's my, um, my honor. It's been four years. Been waiting for this for a long time. Um, it's my honor to um, introduce to you and welcome Prophet Vaughan to the pulpit. Come up, Daddy. family. Hallelujah. Before we start, I just want to honor this pulpit. It, it's, it's Shauna and I are just knitted in here, brother. So uh, I don't feel like I'm preaching at a church anymore. I feel like I'm just preaching to family. It's family. So, uh, and over this last three weeks, Shauna and I just, uh, we had a lot of pressure to have itinerary, and, but we just felt to be here with you guys, and we've met so many of you, been in your homes, and uh, you've washed our feet with your love and, and care, and uh, sure, from the bottom of our hearts, those, those of you who don't know, this is my lovely wife, Shauna. She and God plot together to keep me in the ministry. I've, I've come up with numerous ways of getting out of it and run away numerous times, but I've discovered there's no rock big enough to hide under. You can run, but you can't hide. And somewhere between God and my wife, they engineer me back into it pretty quickly. But um, from us, from Shana and I, to all of you who have made... made my son your own and taken such good care of him. We honor you and we're so grateful. And uh, those of you whose homes we've been in and been able to visit with, we haven't had a lot of time, but it's been wonderful. We love you and it's, it's a wonderful thing to see a family in place. When that happens, things happen that the enemy cannot stop. It's an awesome thing. Did you guys all hear that young lady that was up here with that revival anointing coming on her? I'll say it in American. That's my new daughter, y'all. Yeah. So God is doing wonderful things. Amen. Hallelujah. So brother, we love you. Thank you. And we, like I say, we honor this pulpit. I honor my wife, I honor the elders and leadership in this church, and honor the family that's in place in this church. And honor all of you, saints of God, amen. amen. Believers who have stood through the storms, walked through the floods, crossed deserts, walked through fire, trampled on serpents. Amen. amen. And there's no mountain too big that's going to stop us moving on. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray quickly. Father, I just thank you for today. Father, I invite your anointing to move amongst the people right now. 
I know right now that as we begin this, this ministration, your angels are moving amongst your people. The wind of your spirit is blowing through this place. The anointing is on the sound of my voice. Deliverance, healing, change are available to everyone under the influence of my voice. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want you to take your mind right now off the normal American condition and the problems that you think you have. Um, I sat and watched the election take place and wept at what for most Christians is probably a great victory. And um, I understand the travesties of things like abortion in the nations, wars. But you know, there's a greater travesty that we need to watch out for and be very careful of. I mean, evil men create wars and millions die. But when men don't do that, I think history has proven that the common cold has killed more people than any war. So when men don't, evil men don't kill people, the enemy will start killing people himself. All these things are a terrible travesty. But this morning I feel urged of the Spirit to speak to you about the travesty of America in the result of a church without change. Amen. I think of all the things that could destroy us, the worst would be the lack of our ability to change. Amen. And so um, I want to ask you, you know, there's so many things in the Bible. I've been around for a long time. I've been in ministry for a while and uh, a couple of decades and uh, nearly 30 years full-time ministry and I'm still young for that we, we started quite young and um, I've listened to many great men of God preach and one of the most amazing things about preaching is not all the wonderful scriptures that men of God are able to preach it's all the incredible scriptures that men of God somehow avoid preaching and um, it just amazes me for instance, if you look at the Hyper Grace movement, it's incredible how they just manage to miss or never mention so many scriptures. I mean, you literally got to tear every page out of the whole Bible to believe some of what some people preach. You know? I mean, in the midst of grace. And believe me, I've built churches on grace and grace alone. But there's still nearly in every page... Well, if you like this, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. So it's great to preach grace, but where do you turn around and say, let no covetousness be named amongst you? Amen. So that's not what I'm talking about this morning, but I'm just merely saying we, we have, us ministers, 
we have a wonderful ability to preach our message but miss so many messages the Holy Ghost needs us in times of trouble to be able to bring to bring it with gentleness to bring it with love and I want to say right up front I could not stand here and bring what I'm going to bring this morning if I didn't love you I love you with all my heart I love the body of Christ I felt what it's like to be engaged by the spirit with people to be one blood with people once you felt what it's like to have that kind of unity true brotherhood true love amongst one another come on once you've once you've spoken in tongues can you go back once you've been healed by God can you go back once you've tasted of the glories of heaven can you go back well I want to tell you there's something called kingdom and there's something that exists in kingdom that's born of the spirit that is it all the world's forms of comradeship can never match when brothers and sisters in the Lord become one it's an amazing and an incredible thing and I've tasted it here and there and I want to tell you if we would come to that we begin to understand the size of the battle that we're actually designed to be able to take on Amen. And so I want you, I want to come to you in gentleness, in honor, in respect, and in much love. And I want to ask you to open your ears and open your hearts. You know, so easy I've found over the years when somebody is suffering, we always think, oh, I wonder what they did wrong. But when we're suffering, I'm being tested, brother. I want you to ask the Holy Ghost to give you right now a non-judgmental spirit. I want you to turn your heart inwards. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And before he changes anything, I want to tell you there's never been a revival that didn't begin with a change of heart amongst God's people. Never been. Amen. Okay. So... That's foundation number one. Here comes foundation number two that I want you to get. Um, we have been so schooled in the Pentecostal movement, the charismatic movement, to rely on giftings and the power of the Holy Ghost. And so whenever we're talking about revival and power and signs and wonders, we invariably are talking about something that we trust God to come and do by coming through the ceiling. But really, he says that he's able to do these things through the power that works within you. So they're supposed to come through you, not through the ceiling. And above and beyond gifts, and I'll take you there in the word just now, and we're going to see something else. Um, that's not often shown but we are given something before that mounts to more ability in reality than waiting for God to give us the gift for something or waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and do something and that's that we're given authority now one of the things that happened in our ministry over the years is we were always shocked at new frontiers 
So there was a time in our life where we had never ever cast the devil out before. It just didn't happen. We believed in deliverance. We saw other great men cast devils out. But we'd have people with devils come through our fellowship, but we couldn't cast them out. Well, we never did a deliverance course. We never got the gift of casting out devils, because the Bible doesn't really talk about a gift of deliverance. But one day, out of the blue, for some freaky reason, devils in our presence began to get uppity. One day, for some unknown reason, suddenly in our presence, devils would start coming out. And my wife hates the story, but so I won't tell it, but we... <laughs> no, I'm gonna. <laughs> you know I'm gonna. I mean, the first time we ever had did any deliverance, and I mean, we were so young, I never even knew how to do the stuff. So the first time it happened, we were more shocked than the devil, you know? And, and, and next minute, you know, we were just worshipping and next minute this guy fell under the power of God and started going, bah, bah, you know. And so I thought, well, I've heard from so many men of God how to do this. So in complete boldness, I stepped up to the character and said, in the name of Jesus, come out. And the guy went, the devil went, his soul belongs to me. My wife jumped on the guy and said, shut up, you idiot. And that devil came out by embarrassment. <laughs> but what I'm trying to get across to you is that it's not like we completed the course or suddenly had some faith we didn't have before. There was a change of heart in us that changed our spiritual position. And a change of spiritual position changed our authority. We believed the same as we always believed before. But somewhere along the line, because of what we allowed God to do in us, suddenly devils couldn't stand to be in my presence before. I believed the same thing, but the devils could sit there. But something happened to me that suddenly now they couldn't sit there anymore. So what I'm talking about this morning, might it might it might hurt. It might be hard. And it might be really hard to say, Lord, let me judge myself in this. What have I done? Because God's looking for you to come to a repentance of where you've been wrong. Not for you to try and figure out who around you has been wrong. And I'm not doing this because I want to say there's anything wrong with you. I'm trying to bring you to the next level of authority. And so there's a great story about authority that I have to tell you. And then at the end of the message, you'll remember this story. So after what I'm speaking about, you'll remember this is a result. Um, quite some time ago, there was, uh, what, do, what do they call them here? The Department of Nature and Fish, Nature, Forestry and Fisheries or something. It's a long, complicated name here. We, we, we just call them nature conservation in my country. But I know they're the department of, you know, they're the guys that let, tell you you're not allowed to destroy the beaver dam that's messing up your property and stuff like that, you know. So, um, there's a farmer leaning against his gate 
And the guy from the department comes along and says, look, I've been sent to test the water in your pond. I'm trying to speak American because in South African I would have said, I've come to test the water in your dam. And that wouldn't have made a lot of sense to you guys. Um, I've come to test the water in your pond. And the guy goes, you can't. He goes, no, seriously, I've got all the equipment to do it. He says, I don't care, you can't do it. The guy says, look, you know, I'm from the department. It's a federal institute. I'm sent here to do that, please. Guy still keeps leaning on the gate. He said, you can't come do it here. The guy says, listen, I have authority to do this. I'm sent by the government to do this. You have no option. You've got to let me in to do it. The guy says, I'm sorry, I can't. He says, oh, goodness. He goes down to his truck, gets out a big file. He says, look, here's the paper and letter of demand. Here's the authority. Here's the paper that says that I can come in here to test the water in this pond. So the farmer goes, well, okay then. Opens the gate. The water, the official goes through, walks up the hill to the pond. Kneels. That's hectic feedback. Kneels down. And starts testing the water and next minute he hears behind him. And he turns around and there's a big old bull. And next minute the bull starts coming. He leaves his test equipment and he runs. He's running for the gate man. And the bull is after him. And as he launches himself over the gate. The farmer shouts, show him the paper. <laughs> See, there's some stuff. You can think you have the right to do it. But the bull's still coming, man. And that bull's not going to look at the paper. Oh, I did the evangelism class. Oh, I've been in the church for 15 years. Run, baby. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, <laughs> to finish the story, back in Africa, there was a, there was a farmer next door to us, an Afrikaner boor, who had arms the size of my thighs. And uh, one time a bull attacked his, went for his child during the milking session. The bull broke out and his child was still like a toddler and this bull was going for his... This guy stepped over the child and hit the bull on the head and the bull dropped dead. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, it's time to hit the bull on the head. <laughs> Amen. Okay, I hope you never forget that story. <laughs> so let's go to the Word of God, if we may. Go with me. Okay, so just go with me to 1 John. Get yourself configured and lined up for 1 John. But 
Who knows John 3.16? We all know John 3.16. Should, should we recite it? Let's go. Who's starting? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I want to share a scripture with you I wish you knew as well as that. It's 1 John 3.16. It goes, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. John 3.16, nice contrast. 1 John 3.16, shall we say it together? 1 John 3.16, everybody let's go. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. See, one of the difficulties in preaching things like this is unless you can love yourself, you can't preach love. I once had a, funny enough, a Nigerian guy that, you know, we, we went to some of his meetings and he once told me, he said, brother, you, you can preach love. I can't preach love. And I said to him, well, maybe then you shouldn't be preaching anything. Because you see, the, you see, the thing is, you can preach anything and get away with it. But love is one of those things you can't preach if you don't have it. Come on. And so, the trouble is, we, 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 we don't bring these scriptures to one another. Because we don't know how to do it without condemnation. And then we've had this grace move thing, which has, has muddled, muddied the waters between conviction and condemnation. How many of you know there's a big difference between conviction and condemnation? The Bible says we should provoke one another. In other words, you know, when you, when, when I always feel when I'm preaching, I should be provocative. And because I'm provocative, I've never done a meeting in my life that I haven't had an altar call afterwards. Because how can I bring something to you that won't initiate change? And if it is something that will initiate change, how can I leave you to go out the door without being somebody that can help you take the step into that change? But I can't ma help you make a step into change that I haven't made myself. I can't take you for a walk on the moon if I haven't been there myself. Come on. And so, we, don't, we know we don't see a lot of that. Sometimes in church, because, you, you see, I'm not going to ask you. I'm African. I can stand in front of a group of 2,000 people and say, how many women and young girls have been abused here? And 85 to 95% of the women in the building come forward. It's a travesty. And we're the only healers they have. But you see, if I ask you this morning, will you please raise your hand if you've been hurt in church? There's not a soul here that's not going to raise their hand. But we are the only healers the world has. So if you're going to hang on that, you're going to spend your church life 
trying to save your life, not lay down your life. And I want to go home one day, stand in front of the Lord who laid down his life for me, and know I followed him. Because to be a disciple, disciple means to be a follower. I was telling the, 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 because I've just been having such a wonderful time. And by the way, uh, tomorrow night, actually it's therapy for me. So, so I'm going to have a, a, a meeting. Dylan did speak to you about it or he forgot? He did, right. So, so I'm going to have a goodbye meeting. Mainly because I fell in love with so many of you. I just want to bless you before I leave. Okay, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tomorrow night it'll be here because I want to anybody that of family and friends and so on that wants to come say goodbye, come say goodbye. I bring a short word, but what I want to do is I want to line you all up, and my wife and I will wash every person's feet, and we will give every single person that's here a word from the Lord. Okay, so we're going to do that tomorrow night. By the way. but I was telling the youth, because I've been ministering to the, at the youth and young adults meetings, um, we've got so far into preaching and so far from the purity of the word sometimes that we live on, half of us live on quotes all the time that aren't even real. One of those quotes that, it just, I mean, once you know the truth, doesn't it great you every time somebody preaches rubbish? We still love them. <laughs> But once you know the truth, every time somebody stands up and preaches that scripture wrong, it, it's forever you wish you could just interrupt and say, sorry, that's you know How many times you heard, the truth will set you free? Well, it's, 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 it's not wrong. It's not truth. If the truth could set you free, all of Africa would have been saved in the early 80s. All of Southern Africa would have been saved in the early to mid-80s. Because in, in my country, by the mid-80s, the gospel was still being preached everywhere so prolifically. And so America would have been free too. Because there was a time in America not so long ago where everybody had heard the gospel. There was a time in my country where everybody had heard the gospel, one way or another. The truth doesn't set you free. I know many people who know that. In actual fact, in my experience, people that know the truth are usually more bound than people who don't. But tr- knowing the truth doesn't guarantee you freedom. This is what the Bible says. It says, if you will be my disciples indeed. Indeed meaning in action. Meaning if you will actively be discipled by and follow me, you will know the truth. And that truth will set you free. So next time somebody quotes, the truth will set you free. No, 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 not right. There's a certain truth that sets you free. It's the truth you learn when you follow. So I want power because I need power. Because my people are dying of HIV. My country's sitting on the verge of a civil war. I look, I've been all over America and met such beautiful and wonderful people. But people have overnighted in pastors' homes whose children are on drugs. I want power because I need power because the love of God has touched my heart. 
So I figure I want to taste everything he tasted because somewhere in this following of him, there's a truth that sets free and I don't get to get it without following him through the grave and back. I said and back. There's not a grave he'll lead you through he won't bring you back from. There's not a death he won't place on you he won't resurrect you from. Hallelujah. Go to 1 John chapter 4 while we're there. Beloved, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Verse 10, highlight, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So go with me quickly to Revelation chapter 2. It's real close to John, so it shouldn't take you too much energy to get there from 1 John. Revelation chapter 2. It's on page 1309. If you have one of these freaky Bibles. Look at this awesome Bible. Only in America. Giant text. So if I forget where I put my glasses while I'm preaching, I can still read you the scripture. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walked in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, and know thy works and thy labor, Oh, hang on, stop there, hold on. Let me say this. Um, forget about the stuff that you're the Laodicean church. America's not that rich anymore anyway. Most of people I meet. Come on. I'm African. I know the statistic. Do you know that one in six children in America go to bed hungry every night? Let's prophesy. I cannot believe that Christians call for judgment. I know what most of you think of Hillary. I might feel the same. But whatever spirit rules her, she still has a soul that we need to love. So, Let's prophesy. How many nations has America not touched with the gospel? And how many nations has America not rescued time and again financially? How many? The array of nations 
kept alive, people surviving on aid that comes from America. Moves of God, apostolic foundations from the Hagans to the from the Finneys to the Hagans to the Oral Roberts to the T.L. Osborns that have laid laid apostolic foundations on which the churches of the world have been able to build missions that have been sent from a myriad churches in America all over the world bringing the gospel how many nations have not been touched will God be unrighteous to not repay will God be unrighteous to not repay that's my prophecy for America I'm scoffing at those who are calling for judgment. Change your heart, you're wrong. I'll tell you what's going to happen. A great revival is coming to America. Will God be unrighteous to not reward? And I want to tell you what's more. It doesn't stop there. America's about to have another financial economic boom. Not a depression. Will God be unrighteous to not reward? No, he will not. The nations of the world owe a debt to America, spiritually and economically. And you're going to receive it. This is the generation that will see it. And it will be a testimony to this generation in this nation. So this is not a chastisement, people. This is a loving cry from a young African. Change your heart in time. Why miss the wave? Why miss the wave? Change your heart in time. And together, become who you as a people are called to be. So, How thou, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they're apostles and are not and hast found them liars. And hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Sounds like a lot of wonderful American people to me. Nevertheless, see, these letters to all the churches, it, it's not a picture through... It's just for, you, you could never call the Chinese church subject to Laodicean principle. There was a time, perhaps some churches still are. But all these churches, all these churches in Revelation are about, it's just about saying, if you're in that type of a condition, this is what he hates, this is what he loves, this is a typology and that's its reward if you overcome it. This is a typology and that's its reward if you overcome it. This is what he loves. This is what he hates. All seven churches are just about that. And so this particular church, he turns around and he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Now, I got that wrong most of my life, and probably so have many of you. See, he's not talking to Israel who he gave a letter of divorcement because they didn't want to receive him as he was. So he's not talking to Israel, who he said, you lost your first love, meaning your first wife. Watch. Herein is the love of God, 
Not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. So to leave you, lose your first love is not because you stopped loving God. That's not what he's saying. It's not because you stopped adoring your first wife, your, your, you know, your first lord, your first, you understand? It's not what he's saying. What he's saying is because you lost your ability to the principle of first love. Meaning you love somebody else before they love you. You release somebody else before they release you. Herein is love. Not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. The principle of first love, it's not about, oh my first love the Lord. I've got this against you. You've lost your love for Jesus. No, he's not saying that at all. He's saying you lost your first love. Here's the proof, the very next verse. I'm getting myself tied up in this thing here. <laughs> huh? Remember therefore from whence you are fallen and repent and do the first works. What is the first work? It's to give before it's given to you. To love before you loved. You understand? We've become just like a bunch of normal earthly people running the church on earthly principles because we've lost our first love we're not gonna do it if we're not gonna get recognized and we're not gonna do it the second time if somebody doesn't say thank you and I'm not gonna love her till she shows me that she loves me and I'm not gonna be kind until somebody's first kind to me and I'm not and I'm not and I'm not and I'm I have this against you that you've lost your first love Herein is love, that he loved us first. I have this against you, you've lost your first love. Go be the first one to love. I remember, you know, my, my dad and I had some real issues in our time. My dad was a, a German Jew by blood. And uh, I'm telling you, real character. His greatest sport was to team up with my wife and mock me. To team up with my wife against me. My he had the most incredible sense of humor. But he was, he was tough. And, and a hard man to live with. And we, me and my dad, we, we, we had our issues. But I think we missed so much reconciliation because we spent so much time believing that the other one was the one that had to make right first. And I praise God that I got, I, I got the time to make right with my father before he left. And he missed God horribly. And we lost years. But you know, a soul can be lost because you were too arrogant, too proud for first love. People... If you want to be a deliverer or a healer, it's you that puts the balance in order. You're the weight. You're the power. You're the one. Am I speaking to somebody's heart this morning? Who wants change like me? I want to change, Lord. I've been bad at it. I can preach it because I come from the other side. Goodness. 
I'm a new creature in Christ. All old things are passed away. Behold, all origins are become new. I'm a new man. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. And I've been serving him for three decades. And it's taken 30 years for him to work some bitternesses out of me, some angers out of me, some unforgivenesses out of me. And he's still working. I'm not a work in progress like people say, hey, he did the job on the cross. But now I must comply. My story began there and he did everything I need. But now I want to become everything he needs. I want to be what you need. I don't want to come here with a message to preach. Oh, goodness, I can go through. Uh, I've, I've got a database of sermons that span 25 years. I've got a database of videos. We've had TV channels. I've got a database of, of I mean, we've got a database of revival meetings. I can show you all the wonderful powers of God that you could imagine. I've seen things that are hard to even describe and talk about. I could come here this morning and, and woo you all with many wonderful revelations, but it's not what you need. I love you. He loves you so much. And I know you love him. It's time to work that out in the depths of your soul. That it becomes a fire of his love that is able to touch your world. You can stand here and cry revival all you like. But you see, he will never let a revival be carried on the wings of what's not his character. And I know, I know and many of you know all the wonderful things that can start revivals. And I mean, I walked in here this morning, the expectation in here was beautiful. People here are ready for God to do something. Committed, fired up. That's why I'm going where I'm going. Because you see, I know what ends revivals. There've been many one day revivals. There've been many one month revivals. But you know what? I believe for the gathering place. Not the Moravian revival. Because that wouldn't match even the spirit of the Moravians. Because the Moravian prayer took everybody, took people all over the globe. I want to believe for the gathering that what the outpouring that's going to come here is going to touch the four corners of the earth. Hello. I don't want a revival that my grandchild has to read a history book to understand. One of these days, I'm hoping to live to three, four hundred. But one of these days, I'll eventually, you know, anybody hear what Rodney Howard Brown said? He said, I don't want to believe in this immortality stuff. He said, I heard by the time you hit 90, you start leaking. I don't want to be here if I'm leaking. But if, if, if I can be whole and still do something for God, I, I, I'm believing to live to three, four hundred, but eventually I'm going to be pushing daisies 
And when I do, I don't want my grandchild to have to read the book to find out what I did. I want him to be permeated by it. I want what happens in our lives to reach to the next generation. I want your children and your children's children and your children's children. I want the next five generations in America to be shouting glory to the king because of what you can do now. And you know what? If you do it, nobody joins you. You'll be amazed what he can do in just one life. You'll be amazed what one life can touch. Amazed. I've got an African brother here from Botswana. And, 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 and so um, it reminds me. And, and I... I know, uh, I told the youth this story already, so those that heard it will have to just bear with me, but I have, I'm under compulsion to tell the story again. And I want you to understand, please don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to brag on something I did. I think you can sense the spirit of where I'm coming from this morning. There was a time my wife and I, we, we had an old Toyota Corolla, three model back Toyota Corolla. And uh, we were driving up a sand road, and uh, a dirt road. <laughs> they saw some people looking at me, what's a sand road? <laughs> up a dirt road, and there was a guy driving an old TUV truck up front of us. And uh, it looked like he was pulling off the road. And, and so he, he started veering off onto the curb up this bank. And so I just kept going. So okay, he's pulling off the road. So I just kept going at the speed I was, moved over to the right and uh, was, you know, carried on shunting up the, up the dirt track at, at my normal speed. Next minute, he just, he was trying to do a U-turn. He just swerved out across the road and I went smack into him. My family in the car and, and as he forced his broken door open, all the beer bottles fell out and he was drunk as a skunk. And, um, you know, in my country, a lot of people laud my country for what happened in reconciliation. But really, right now, my country is really segmented. There's, the government is producing racial tension. Not all the people are like that. Most of us love each other and getting on just fine. But the government is producing racial tension. And, um, you know, but there's a lot of old boys who need a few generations in their bloodline to pass by before they change their heart and thinking about certain things. And so invariably when there's an accent in South Africa, it's always the black guy's fault, you know. And come on, don't be embarrassed. That's how we are. We, it's, sometimes it's hard to lose the way you were brought up. And if you really want to be like Christ, you're going to have to lose a lot of the way you were brought up. You see, you were brought up by fleshly fathers to react to certain things in a certain way. But my Bible in Peter says that we can be partakers of his divine nature. That means there can be a natural flow of love from us. Most of us, if I jump down here right now and hit you over the head with this big Bible, you'll smack me back. And then you'll tell me it was reflexes. But you see, we're supposed to have a divine reflex. The love of God is supposed to be so embedded in us that we respond by Holy Ghost before we respond by flesh. 
We respond by love before we respond by our flesh. We respond by our new life before we respond by what we got from our fathers. But I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that day. And I'll tell you why I'll never forget it. What happened is, oh, before long, which is rare, but the police were all of a sudden there and they could see the guy was drunk, so they were arresting him. He was crying, whatever. And next minute, I just looked at the guy. Now, I want, I want you to understand, I never made a decision. It just came on me. I looked at the guy and I said, just let him go. I forgive him. I'll pay for the car to be fixed. I'm telling you, it was a divine thing that hit me because when you're in an accident and you're in shock, that is not your natural reaction. And I still don't know how or what, but I did it. And I promise you, the flesh doesn't like it when you behave like Jesus. Later that night, I lay on my bed and thought, oh my goodness, what did I do? Now I've got to find money to fix this car. But you see, here's the thing that happened. We were on our way to a barbecue, and so the car just managed to go. And we got us up the dirt road to, the, we call it, it was a nice little Toyota Corolla. It was now what we call in Africa, a Skoro Skoro. Can you say Skoro Skoro? Yeah, that's when it's got more dings than, you know. So, so we got to the barbecue and I, we were just doing, and as uh, sometime in the afternoon, I went to the bathroom in the house and my, my youngest son and the host were having a conversation. And this is what I overheard. My youngest son said, I can't believe it, but my dad forgave the guy. And I thought, you know what, whatever it cost to fix that car, nothing could pay for what that testimony would do in my son's life. You see, sometimes it's just the smallest decision that you make to be Christ in the smallest situation and it rescue a life from hell. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to probably skip some stuff but 1 Peter 4 8 says love covers a multitude of sins there's a mystery in this stuff there's a mystery in this stuff it's not judgment and discipline and correction that will make us whole it's love it literally means this if I loved you all I could stand today in front of a sinless congregation. Can you imagine that? Come on. These are the wonders of the gospel. These are the wonders of what it means to be a recreated being. My love can cover your sin. I love it when they come and they lower this guy down through the ceiling in front of Jesus, you know, and, 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 and I mean, I mean, it's their work of faith for their friend. He didn't even do anything. But Jesus looks at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven. Huh? Son, your sins are forgiven. The first love of my wonderful Jesus. That's a wonderful story. 
This is powerful stuff. See, we read all the miracle stuff. We read all the promises. We read all these amazing scriptures of who we are in Christ. And then we fail to reach the ultimate power of what our true potential is to be who we really are in Christ, an extension of His love and grace and mercy. And if we'll only begin to experience and taste the power that's born on those wings... We will change our modus operandi in how we do church, how we do business with one another, and how we do business with the world. Come on, somebody. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Galatians 6 1. Let's go there quickly. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You see, we need to ask God to have a restorative spirit. It's time for our breaking down of one another to end. You know, I have seen angels. Physically. I've seen them in energy form. I've seen them as people come to me in the mountains. I've seen them come into my room. I've been healed twice by angels. And I saw their, their energy form coming. I couldn't see them as, I saw the energy outline of them. But just like people come into my room and, and, and heal me. I've had dreams and visions. And, and, and I've had many dreams. Many dreams that have been helpful. I've had a lot of dreams that haven't been helpful. I mean, I know there's dream interpretation and all of this stuff. I don't really see a biblical precedent to interpret my dream. I have the Holy Ghost. If he gives me a dream, I'll interpret it myself. Thank you. My word, the word I read sets a precedent. We interpret the dreams of the heathen. We interpret the dream of the unbeliever. You understand? But we're supposed to be able to interpret our own dream. Now, sometimes I'll help people that too. I'll help them draw pictures, help them, you know, fill in some spiritual information. It's cool. I'm not being pedantic or, you, you know, dogmatic about anything. But what I want to say is if you led by a dream before you led by the love of Jesus, you're about to be deceived. And that will cause hurt and damage and harm. Because we're called to live by the Spirit. And if the same spirit that dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal body. And if he quickens your mortal body, how much more can he quicken your soul to be an expression of Christ? 
We are not called to live by these things. They therefore exhortations, encouragement, guidance, information. But at the end of the day, we live by the Spirit. And I hear people all the time having dreams and visions that are leading them astray. Oh, pastor, I dreamt that that man's wife was mine. I mean, that's just the pathetic far end of the scale. You know what I always say? I say, Jesus is the middle of the line. All of us are a little left or a little right. But goodness, you don't have to get in the gutter. Some people are just over in the gutter in the stuff they believe. And I want to tell you there's a solidity and a base fundament of what it means to be a Christian. And we need to get back to it. Because if we don't get back to that, the level of what we see in the supernatural we believe for will be undermined by our lack of character enabling us to carry what God really wants to bring through us. There's one man in my country, a, a prophet who, who I've known well and who I love. But the other day I heard him live teaching that you can't talk to people about their character. It's bringing them back to law. What absolute garbage. What absolute garbage. I'll say it. I hope he's listening now. Brother, garbage. Do you want what I'm talking about? You see, I tell you, if you get what I'm talking about, when you go test that water, that bull will just lay down. I mean it. But we've got to cry out, say, Lord, give me a heart to restore. If, even if I have authority over you, you see, I've, I've, I mean, there sits Dylan. He'll tell you, you know, some new ages up in Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. area, they would have jailed me the way I brought my kids up. I smacked them. And when I smacked them, huh? I And I tell you, you need any help in the future, you just let me know. All my children are serving the Lord. I don't believe we did a great job. But they saw the glory of God. And they didn't see it just in signs and wonders. My wife and I gave them the word to build on. And from the word, we came to balance. So it says this. It says, how can you, how is the love of God living in you if you see a brother in need and don't give him the things that he has need of? What is it if we have a revival? And the people come to this great altar and we lay our hands on them, lead them to Jesus, let them say the sinner's prayer and say, God bless you, may the force be with you. I mean, so many times in our services in Africa, I'd end the service, have the altar call, and then I'd ask every single pe 
person, you know, and we, I mean, we had seven years of revival in our church. We would have two, on a Sunday morning for years, we'd have two, three hundred people every morning giving their lives to the Lord. And it was never less than 15, 20 people in services that gave their lives to the Lord for, for seven years. And many times, I didn't care whether it was 300 or 12 or 10, it didn't matter. But I'd ask every soul, when you leave this building, do you have a home to go to and do you have your next meal? And you know what, if they didn't have a meal to go home to, if they didn't have Sunday lunch to go home to, we'd, we'd take the offering and give it to them. But most times we didn't need to do that. Somebody in the congregation would, will, will, will jump up, run forward and give them 20 bucks, say, here's some money for a chicken, here's some money for your Sunday lunch. How dare we? How dare we say we've come to bring you the love of Jesus? Lead them to Jesus at our altars where we declare and proclaim to have the power of God and then not give a hoot there after what their plight may be. How dare we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Change, 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 change. I want it. Who else wants it? Come on, put your hand up if you want what I'm talking about. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Galatians 5, 6. And this will be our last scripture we'll go to. There's so much more. What I wanted you, and you can go and investigate this. I want you to go and have a look at 1 Corinthians. Because we're going into overtime already. And I want to pray for everybody. But I want you to go and have a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It starts off by talking about the, and not, not now, please, we, 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 we're, in, we're going now, Galatians 5 is where I want you to be. That's the last scripture we're going to read together. But so I want you to go home and I want you to just do a small examination of this, 1 Corinthians 12. And it starts, the chapter starts by talking about ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers. But now Ephesians talks, um, oh, uh, sorry, about spiritual gifts. And Ephesians talks about ministry gifts. And the scripture also has a place where it talks about body gifts, um, which are helps, uh, governments, administrations, uh, giving, um, exhorting. You know, many people uh, will come with a word and suddenly they're a prophet. Meantime, all they have is the gift of exhortation. Why can't you just be happy with that? Why you always got to try and be something? Come on. And, and then you know what happens when you try to be something that you're not? You don't end up fooling yourself. You end up bringing division. How many people, because they suddenly think they're gifted now, run off and do their own little fellowship, and, and, and the people that follow them always end up disappointed. Listening to some people the other day talking about how they left the church because there was no love there. Of course there was no love there. You were there. But now all of a sudden that you've separated, now you want to talk about the love of God and about how your new fellowship is just about love. If you're so full of love, why couldn't you bring it where you were? It's a lie. It's deception. Now you had five prophecies, now all of a sudden you're starting your own prophetic ministry around the corner. 
It's a lack of love for the people that are following you and going to be disappointed. You leave the people in this congregation alone, man. The Lord rebuke you. I don't care what people think. I say what the Holy Ghost tells me to say. Full of nonsense, some people. They're not even, some people are not even at the place where they can hear this message. You here right now have a divine ability right now to hear this message. But there's a lot of people out there that are not even in a place in their heart to even be able to hear this message I'm preaching this morning. Full of nonsense. You submit. You ought to know to whom you should submit. Part of love is being able to serve who God sent you to serve under. And how dare you begin to ascertain for yourself who that should and shouldn't be. And when you do that, you have no idea of the value of the sacrifices of precious people who have done it for years and suffered, but keep doing it. These men of God come to my country and they want to start a ministry. Not, most of them aren't even legal citizens yet. And they make a plan and they buy a, a, a visa and they do. And, and next month, the first thing they do is go set up a church amongst the rich. I decree and declare that the power of love will rise in the American church and in this congregation and thou shalt heal thyself and know the glories and the beauties of oneness, unity, love divine, the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. That you will know what it means to just be worshipping and the lost will start coming through the door and fall on their knees before you even say repent. Because the power of love, I said because the power of love, it sets free in American, y'all. It sets free, y'all. Time and time I've come again. I, you know what? I don't wait to get prophetic half the time. When that altar call happens, I just get broken when I see the brokenness. I hurt when I see all the hurt. I am traumatized by the reality of life and the trauma of the people of the world without Jesus. I'm traumatized by it. So when they come to an altar call, I don't even look for, do you need healing? Do you need this? Do you do? I just get down there and love them. And time and time again, I've seen the power of love which supersedes. I just throw my arms around somebody and I've seen devils just come out when I hug them. I walked into a hospital one time. One of our congregation got sick. And, and, and she, I knew that she was HIV positive And next minute she got TB Do you know what happens when you get TB And you're HIV positive You die I walked into the hospital But before they took me there to pray for her I just sat in the car and I said God, I've had enough I've had enough and the, my love for that person just began to break out of my heart. And I walked into that hospital. I didn't even see where she was. 
she was a young lady that had been a prostitute. How many of you know revival is often not pretty? True revival is a mess. You have true revival, you take the carpets out. Because you'll have a mess, you can't clean off this lovely carpet. This woman launched herself at me. She was in a hospital gown. And I promise you, there's no time to be embarrassed or proper or, or, or worry about your little cultural etiquettes or whatever the case may be. She launched herself at me. And as she did, I mean, it wasn't pretty. But she grabbed a hold of me. And she just took a hold of me and shook and shivered. She walked out of that hospital three weeks later. I didn't do it. You see, he's waiting to work through you stuff you don't even have to do. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Faith which worketh. You see, I tell you why so many of us are suffering so much disappointment. It feels like our faith didn't work. We've trusted God for so much stuff for so long. And that's the, that's the next hand raiser, you know. I mean, how many people have been disappointed? And the whole congregation will put up their hand because every one of us has been disappointed somewhere. There's something in your life that you thought God was supposed to do that didn't happen yet. There's something. There's somewhere in your life that you're disappointed because what you read here isn't matching up with what you're receiving right now. I'm giving you the key this morning what it is. I really am. Faith which worketh by love. In other words, there's something about faith which needs love to make it work. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Can everybody in this room just close their eyes, please, for one minute? Two minutes or whatever it takes. Father, I ask you by your Holy Ghost, Spirit of truth, Spirit of love, just move right now amongst your people. Just move right now. Father, I ask you by your Spirit right now, just touch every heart in this place. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've been doing or what's been done to you. But if you've had an ear to hear, there's a wind moving right now in this place. If you've had an ear to hear and you'll say this morning, Pastor, Vaughan, whatever you want to call me, I don't care what you call me, you can call me the chief bottle washer for all I care. But if you'll say this morning, I heard. And you'll commit yourself to change. 
It's nothing you've got to do, you see. If you'll just say yes, there's a gate that opens and the Holy Ghost comes in. Because he'll do what you'll allow him to do. But we've reserved our hearts because we want to reserve the right to protect ourselves. We want to reserve the right. We want to hold it back because we've got our own sense of justice. If you'll let it go this morning and say, Lord, I want to walk in this. I want the best you've got going and I want to be the best that you get going. Lord, do this in me. Work this in me. I want what I've heard this morning. I want a heart transplant. If you're that person, I don't care who thinks what of you or what. This is important for you. This is between you and God. You see, we've had baptisms of so many types of power. But we didn't get a baptism of his love. If I'm talking to you and God has touched your heart this morning and you're willing to say, Lord, bend me, change my heart. I want this. I want that. I want more. And I know this is one of the keys. I know this is the door. Lord, do this in me. I'm coming back to first love. I want that power to love them when they still hate me. I want that power to give. I want that power to do for you and not mind that nobody ever recognizes or cares or sees. I want to come back to the truth, the spine of what it means to be in you. If that's you, I want you, don't even hesitate. Just slip forward right now so I can pray for you. Just come. I know if it's full, can the ushers just take a, a line of chairs back? But come now. Everybody that needs to come, just come now. Don't wait for me to finish praying for people. I'm going to pray corporately for all of you. Let's give time for you to work your way out. Now, if you've never given your life to Jesus before, if you've never been born again before, if you've heard what I'm saying, but you've never really given your life to Him at all, you just come to, as you come now, it's a statement, as you step out right now, it's a statement of your faith to receive Jesus in your heart, and you'll be saved and born again. Hallelujah. Everybody that's come up, just raise your hands. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus right now. Just can, just if somebody is, if you're if you behind somebody that's um, heading towards the floor, just help them. Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus right now, move in the hearts of your people right now. Baptize with your love right now in Jesus' mighty name. Fold, 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 fold. More, Lord. More, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.